Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, November 29th, 2017. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, we have a very special guest. Special guest, who are you? I am Broadway's adjacent Robbie Roselle. <laughs> but I think you're you're more than adjacent at this point. You are the beating heart of the Great White Way, as far as I'm concerned. The beating heart. Yes. Well, at least it's not a bleeding heart. Well, hi guys. You know, whatever. <laughs> How hi are guys. you? How was your birthday the other day? Uh, I am still vaguely drunk, so I <laughs> would say it's a success. Very good. Uh, any 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 word on? If uh, people took your recommendation to heart and made any donations to Covenant House in honor of your birthday? Yeah, I'm at roughly $350 and rising, so that's nice. Very cool. How can they, if they want to make a donation in your name, how do they do that? Uh, the link is on my Twitter, and I will tweet it again this morning. Awesome. Very good. Excellent. So how's 22 years old treating you? You know... The first 21 were rough, but 22, I think, is going to be an okay year. This is your year. (laughs) Is it? (laughs) I have a feeling 21 is going to be a good year. All right. Good night. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, before we get into the show, uh, we had a great announcement over on Twitter yesterday that Caitlin's next episode of Broadway AMA will be with... Okay. I'm going to screw this one up. Uh, Drew 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 Drogi, thank you very much. He is the star of the uh, of the Bright Colors Bold Patterns show that is currently playing off Broadway, directed by Michael Yuri. Caitlin is sitting down with him today. So if you have questions you want to ask Drew, send them in with hashtag Broadway AMA. You can also send them to us on Facebook if you want, and she will talk with him uh, about whatever you want him uh, to talk about. So that'll be fun. And then also, just a real quick thing, it kind of goes with uh, Robbie's birthday recommendation. Yesterday, Broadway World, where I work, and the Charity Network teamed up to launch a new charity corner section uh, at Broadway World. We have uh, exclusive uh, online auctions with Charity Buzz and sweepstakes from Prizio. So if you want to check that out, we will have a link in the show notes and uh, you can get all of the charity information about things going on in the theater community in and outside of New York. Hmm. That's uh, that's cool. Is this new? Did you guys do Charity Corner last year? Nope. No, it officially uh, launched today or yesterday for uh, Giving Tuesday. This will be a permanent fixture on the Broadway World page. Uh, and it'll be updated with new articles as they come in. But we launched it in conjunction with Giving Tuesday. Sweet. That's so cool. That's great. I love that. All right. First up in the news, M. Butterfly announces a January closing date. Yeah, last night, producers announced that the Broadway revival of David Henry Wong's M. Butterfly will close on January 14th of 2018. By that point, the show will have played 112 total Broadway performances. As you all know by now, the show is directed by Julie Taymor and stars Clive Owen and Jen Ha. The show got mixed reviews at best, and as we've discussed, the grosses haven't exactly been great. Um, I'm a little surprised that uh, it announced... uh, this late, I figured if it was going to close, they might have announced it a little earlier to try to capitalize on the Thanksgiving holidays. But 
that does mean that after mid-January, the court theater will be vacant, which is of note because last night, or perhaps even while we're recording right now, the plans for the court's refurbishment and expansion went before the Landmarks Preservation Commission. As we've talked about before, there will be a new annex built next door to the court, which will provide more bathroom and bar options for audience members and more rehearsal, dressing room and storage, wardrobe space for the shows that are occupying the theater. In the show notes, we have a link to the plans that were submitted to the Landmarks Preservation Commission. And guys, they look pretty good. They've done a good job with kind of trying to bring back the original exterior color and look of the court while the annex looks very modern and sleek and kind of goes up right next to the side of the building where a I guess what's a parking garage is getting uh, demolished. There's no timetable yet as to when that construction will begin or will be completed. So maybe we get a new show in the court in the spring. Perhaps the Scott Rudin produced The Minutes by Tracy Letts, which is currently playing at Stephen Wolf in Chicago. We know that Rudin often works with the Schuberts, and that's a show that has been announced for Broadway but doesn't have a theater. So that's a possibility. Um, we're going to talk about that in a second, but before we get to that, do either of you have any parting words for M. Butterfly? I did not like it, so uh, <laughs> that's not take. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of why it's closing, because nobody yeah. liked it. Um, actually, I, I, I think I was dozing, and that I haven't dozed in a theater oh. in 20 years. Wow. Uh, okay. All right. I don't know. James, Maybe Torch Song thoughts? Trilogy could go there. Well, I would imagine if that comes to Broadway, don't you think that would stay in second stages, space going to the haze at some point? Well, I, I guess that de- depends on if second stage decides to transfer it themselves or if an outside yeah. producer moves out. That's true. That's true. Um, okay, so talking of, of Torch Song, Robbie, are there other than that, are there any other shows that maybe have Broadway inclinations for this spring that you would like to take this space? We've seen both plays and musicals go into the court. The court seats about uh, 1,050-ish people. We saw Bright Star in there before. Um, is there anything that you think would play really well in that space? What was the last successful musical that played there? James, do you I know? No. I Either no of you? Idea. Yeah. Well, let me pull that it's up. Court. Be- because it's across the street. It's not like a well-trafficked theater. So I don't... It has a hard time holding it doesn't look shows. like there's been, it doesn't it, it doesn't look like there's been a musical in there other than bright star, uh, bright bright star, star in, in, in a while a year yeah. with frog and toad would have been oh. the last musical i believe which was back in the ought three year sure uh, was Fish and, and, and uh, uh, the bastard larry david in it oh this, this right. is our that's youth a, a play. cripple of Inishman, yeah. no man's land so yeah. it's a it's a playhouse <laughs> yeah Breakfast yeah. at Tiffany's the play. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah. So any anything of the shows that are getting uh, bandied about, whether it's the minutes or um, maybe we could still see that uh, Brandon Jacob Jenkins adaptation of An Enemy of the People go in there. Or if that Othello with some stars at this point, there's been like eight Othellos and I can't remember which one it was. <laughs> that could go in there. Um, anything that jump out at you? Maybe Roundabout could do a musical there. No. Yep. Don't but damn it. wait. <laughs> damn it. Are is are we due for a glass menagerie? <laughs> I feel like Gypsy <laughs> with a Melvis Johnson. <laughs> it should uh, be a glass uh, menagerie uh, Othello mix, you know? Produced by the Roundabout <laughs> Theater Company. Uh, <laughs> glass menagerie the musical. Oh. Has oh, there well, been, yeah, has there been a glass menagerie with an 
with an exclamation point. Exclamation point, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's my favorite thing you've ever said. Uh, I love that. Uh, but don't joke about Imelda Staunton's Gypsy because I, I think that's coming. So just yes. I, I, I mean, heard that Anna Kendrick's going to be in it. Stop all right. It. Stop it. All right. Fine. <laughs> Let's move on. I don't even want to go there because I will move to New York for the duration of whatever show she comes back to Broadway to do. Yeah, all right. What's up? Really creepy. <laughs> well, what? I didn't say I would like stalk her. I just want to see it every night. <laughs> Listen, I put up with James talking about Kelly O'Hara and Lena Hall for for oh, a year and a half. I can have my I can have my Anna Kendrick uh, uh, devotion. I'm not mocking you. <laughs> kind of, you kind of. Uh, let's move forward. Let's move forward. Right. Showing right. casting news. <laughs> Just keep swimming, Chess. Anyway, okay, yes, yesterday, speaking of just keep swimming, swimming. Uh, Tony nominee Beth Malone posted a picture on her Instagram of a sign that had a Roundabout Theater Company logo in the top left. And then in big, bold letters, it said the unsinkable Molly Brown. Following a production of that show at the Muni this past year, the Meredith Wilson musical with an updated book by Dick Scanlon apparently had a reading in conjunction with Roundabout yesterday. Other than Malone, I don't know if anyone of the Muni cast participated that, you know, included in that cast was the great Mark Kudish, Whitney Basher, Justin Guarini, Paolo Montalban. Um, I I don't know if anybody from that cast participated. Robbie, you're, you tend to be fairly plugged into those things. Do you know if anybody else or know who else would have been uh, involved with that yesterday? Not that I've heard of, but I think it's also important to stress that it's possible that it was just a reading that uh, happened to be, at Roundabout, they shepherd a lot of readings that don't go to productions. Uh, for example, Audra was doing readings of Kiss of the Spider Woman with them. Donna Murphy did oh. that Sunset Boulevard reading with them. Uh, Jesse Mueller did a Rags reading with them two years ago. Um, so they, uh, they, they constantly are, are developing things for other artists that uh, they don't produce themselves later down the line. Sure. But I think uh, one thing that maybe sets this apart from some of those other things is that this is a show that has had multiple productions in the past, first in Denver in 2014, then obviously at the Muni. And this is something that has already expressed intentions of coming to Broadway. Kathleen Marshall directed uh, both in Denver and St. Louis. So um, you think that's going to be the musical slot? I, I have no idea. I, I I don't know. I'm just saying that this is different than some of those other things that you never really heard of. Um, although Audra and Kiss of the Spider Woman, damn it, I can't. I mean, like that's up there with you know Anna Kendrick going into uh, into waitress. But um, it, I think there's just there there's a little more smoke to this one, even if there doesn't end up being a fire. There's a little more smoke to this one than maybe some of those other things. Sure. Uh- it's not in the uh, in the script here, but we should mention that Robin Goodman stepped down as the founding artistic producer of the Roundabout Underground. Yeah, I have that story that I didn't put it in just because I knew Robbie was going to have some uh, hot takes on that, but I was going to save it for tomorrow. But yeah, uh, Jill Rafson will be taking over Roundabout Underground uh, and replacing Robin Goodman. So we'll get into that a little bit more tomorrow if you want, James. All right. Uh, so I am lost in the script. Where the hell are we? Okay. All right. Next up in the show and casting news, also oh. announced yesterday, the great Tony nominee Christine Nielsen will lead a new adaptation of William Congreve's The Way of the World at Washington, D.C.'s Folger Theater from January 9th through February 11th. Teresa Rebeck, she of many scarves, has penned the new script <laughs> and the production is part of the, I'm glad you like that, uh, is part of D.C.'s uh, Women's Voices Theater Festival. If you're 
unfamiliar with the show, it is described thusly. May is a sweet-natured woman with just a little baggage, a $600 million inheritance. When her womanizing boyfriend, Henry, seduces her aunt, played by Nielsen, both both women become the object of scandal, but Henry has a plan to win the heiress back in the lush and opulent land of the Hamptons where money and status determine everything. Can love conquer all? This comedy of manners with no manners at all is a sparkling, sparklingly witty physical comedy illuminating the foibles of the upper class. If that doesn't seem perfectly suited for both Nielsen and Rebeck, I don't know what does, guys. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I like that this um, that we have these new works that are just coming to us. Again and again and again, and from all different angles that we don't typically see see it coming from the Folger Theater. Ha- yeah, very Robbie, cool. have you ever been to the Folger Theater? I have not. I was literally just racking my brain to think of all the DC theaters that I've been to, and I've never been in it. Yeah, they serve coffee. <laughs> oh, very funny. Uh, the uh, the Folger Theater, I believe, is one of the homes of uh, has a big, huge Shakespeare library. I believe the Folger. Uh, has some sort of connection with Shakespeare. I know my friend Austin Titchener from the Reduced Shakespeare Company talks about their latest play was actually inspired by taking a walk through the archives at the Folger. Now, of course, I could be completely screwing up that story, but uh, I think that's what I remember. It's the best part about waking up. Oh, you know, I was looking <laughs> well, for it. I couldn't find it in my head. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so glad you're here. Well, here's uh, why we have you here. The 60th annual Grammy nominations are announced. All right. Yes. Yesterday, everything was announced. Uh, and while Childish Gambino, Luis Fonzi, Jay-Z, Kendrick Lamar, and Bruno Mars are all deserving, we are obviously here to talk about the cast albums with maybe uh, a little bit of soundtracks as well. Uh, although I would honestly love it if Childish Gambino, a.k.a. Donald Glover, won uh, a Grammy after winning an Emmy for his TV show Atlanta this past fall. That would be awesome. But anyway, Robbie, as you uh, said, there were only three nominees for Best Musical Theater Album uh, this year, and we're going to get to why that is. But they were Come From Away, which had no principal soloists attached, Dear Evan Hansen, with Ben Platt was the principal soloist, uh, Hello Dolly, with Bette Midler as the principal soloist, and that's it. So first off, before we get into these shows themselves, can you explain how a principal soloist is determined for each individual show and why a couple of years ago Hamilton had like everybody? 72. What, yes, right. it said 72. That's actually more people <laughs> than they had in a cast. And then come so weird. has none. <laughs> yeah. How does that work? <clears throat> So the the cast albums are put forward for consideration by uh, the producers of the album themselves and not by the show producers. Uh, And, uh, for example, we put uh, Bandstand forward and Laura Osnes and uh, Corey Cott were the principal soloists because they have the bulk of the material that is sung. Um, that, that wasn't, you know, ensemble, uh, Mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, so it's, it's up to the, the producers of the, the cast albums to decide who they want to divvy up. Um, and there's also a rule and I don't know how Hamilton got around it, uh, that the, the soloist has to sing at least 50% of the score. Hmm. Um, right. So, which is why Ben Platt is listed as a principal soloist and why 
Bette Midler is listed as a principal soloist. Uh, also, like, honestly, with these three nominations, those are the recognizable names. And with those names on the ballot, that's what's going to get people to tick the box. Yeah. Uh, as much as I love Jen Colella and Broadway loves Jen Colella, um, the the uh, standard Grammy voter would have no idea who that was, and so it wouldn't do anything. Uh, yeah, they would. They would really struggle right. to pronounce her last name correctly. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. So, yikes! Uh, so that's that's why that happens the way it does. Um, okay. So let's let's talk about these three shows now. It, obviously, Bette Midler is a huge star, has won three mm-hmm. Grammys on her own. But there's really no way that Dear Evan Hansen isn't going to win, right? Oh, so this is hard. Um, first of all, all three excellent albums and very deserving. Uh, are they? I mean, do you yeah. have to say that? I don't. I, I'm i going to disagree, but well, I'll let you get I your point before I start. That. Okay, right. well, I, uh, I definitely <laughs> don't because I'm not going to. So, But I'll let you finish all first. Right. Um, in my opinion, they are deserving albums. Um uh, ones that I, I listen to a lot, Dear Evan Hansen, I jump to all the time because it's an excellent score and it was really captured well. Come From Away was my biggest surprise of this last season um, and honestly did not expect it to get a nomination uh, in the three slots, knowing that there would be three. Um, I had sort of guessed that uh, Josh Groban, uh, leading Great Comet, that would have taken that slot. And then um, Bette Midler, in her first cast album of all time, uh, of course she's gonna get, she was going to get a nomination. And it's possible she's the sentimental favorite to win. Okay, let's, let's be honest Break here. it down. Um, Bette Midler is a star, and she is incredibly talented. <laughs> but she doesn't sound great on that cast album. Uh, I, I don't think that that's actually even controversial. I mean, I think if you compare her to say Donna Murphy, who's doing the show on Tuesday nights, it's really night and day, at least in terms of what you hear on the cast album compared to what you hear from Donna in the theater. And then I'm good. I'm just going to say it. I think I've said it before, so I don't know that this is breaking news, but I thought come from a ways cast album was absolutely horrendous. I, I could not stand the score. I couldn't yeah. make it through the album once. Did um, you see the show? No, did not see the show. So I'm basing it just off the cast album and the performances so, I've seen on the the Tonys and then awards stuff and the parade. So, ju- but just basing it on the ca- cast album, I can't get through it. I think it's not good. But that's just me. But so for me, the only show that makes sense is Dear Evan Hansen, even though I don't think it's even in the top two or th- three in terms of Pascal and Paul scores. But that's neither here nor there. So. Also, uh, the vo- I'm a voting member of the Grammys, and uh, we we have to vote in the top four categories, which is Record of the Year, Best New Artist, Song of the Year, and uh, oh God, what's the fourth one? Who knows? Great. Who cares? And then 15 <laughs> other categories among the 83. We can only vote in 15 other categories. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, I honestly, I don't know how many people will skip this category altogether. Uh, I know when I vote, I generally stay stay away from the rap categories and uh, the metal categories because I know nothing about that. Um, but again, Bette Midler is a, she's a damn star and she's a name. And uh, who knows if 
if the voters will have even listened to the whole thing or just said, oh, I know Hello, Dolly. Yeah. I know Bette Midler. Yeah. Check. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, Ben Platt, it's a big year. Check. Uh, that's yeah. So that's what's fascinating about the, the process. Um, well, so. Yeah, and, it, and even if Hello, Dolly does win and Dear Van Hansen gets uh, gets overlooked. Pask and Paul do have another nomination. They were nominated in the best song written for visual media category, which is TV or movies. Their song, their Oscar winning song, City of Stars, which they co-wrote with Justin Hurwitz for the film La La Land, was nominated in the same category as How Far I'll Go, which was also nominated for the Oscar, but obviously didn't win, which was written by Lin-Manuel Miranda for Moana. So those theater folks do have other opportunities. But real quick, uh, Robbie, explain why there was only three albums nominated this year as opposed to in the past when there was up to five so uh the the rule is that uh 40 eligible albums have to be submitted for uh there to be a full slate of five nominees and if there's anything under that it cuts to three there were 36 um eligible albums uh half of them by broadway records i don't want to brag uh, but, um, so, so three nominees, um, which, you know, is some, what I said the, the other day, uh, that there would only be three, uh, if they're somewhere in the high twenties, if only that many albums get released, I feel like it's 27, 28, um, they cut the category for the year. And if the category wow. gets cut for three years in a row, the category gets deleted permanently. Um, yeah, and you know, cast albums are so expensive to produce, etc., with not much of a return. So when uh, when Spotify or pirating of them happens, uh, people don't, <laughs> companies don't want to spend money to make them, which feeds the cycle of less cast albums being made, which kills the category. Yeah. Well, real quick, Center. Yeah. It, I mean, it really is interesting because you don't often think of, uh, you know, when you talk about pirating or streaming yeah. or whatever it is, you often hear people talk about how it impacts the artists. Mm-hmm. You don't actually ever hear how it impacts, you know, awards or how it even impacts the consumer who doesn't have the opportunity, to, you know, to see these things be nominated. But sure. talking about talking about how it gets down to three, that means there were a few cast albums that were left out. You mentioned Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, which I would have loved to have seen nominated just because of how royally awful things went for that show and for Dave Malloy. I would have loved to have seen Weird. them get a, a nomination. But then there's also, I you know, maybe thought a big name, Jake Gyllenhaal with Sunday in the park uh, could have got nominated, maybe even falsettos. What to you was the biggest snub I, in this group? Uh, I don't want to say snub because again, there Fair. weren't enough albums made to, to beef it to the five that it should be. Uh, I think that if 40 albums had happened, I think uh, Anastasia would have been in there. Really? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to tell you, it's it's one of the the best selling cast albums on our label. Um, it oh. is loved, and also again, it's based on a, a a name that people know, that voters know, and uh, and nominators know. And of course, like Journey to the Past, everybody knows that song. Uh, so that uh, I think Sunday is a gorgeous album. I would not have been surprised to see it there. Uh, 
trying to think what else was like major this year. Like Miss Saigon didn't have an album. Uh, like Arlington. Uh, no, that was last year. It was submitted last oh, year was it? too. Oh. Yeah. Listen, and I'll tell you, Broadway Records, we submitted across the board in terms of categories because we had a Deborah Cox album this year of like mm-hmm. songs from the Bodyguard for uh, you know, which we submitted for uh, R and B uh, record of the year. Uh, all sorts of you know, it's it's always fascinating to sort of go where where would this fit in Patty Lapone's album or you know things like that. Uh, where, what makes the most sense and what's like, what's right for the album. Uh, I'm trying to think if there were any other major Broadway musicals last year, uh, that, that did not, that weren't nominated. Yeah. I think those are, those are probably the big ones. And and before we let you go here, I do want to get to one other thing. Um, the, even though he did not mention you by name, Jesse Green of the New York Times had some really nice things to say about your recent collaboration with Melissa Errico. I love her. <laughs> love her. This is our... Jesse's a man. Melissa, in the last show that we did together, um, he, she, she was talking about uh, Michelle Legrand um, and how uh, her manager... Uh, said, oh, there's a fax for you, and it was an offer for Amour, and and Melissa's holding it in her hand, and she she said, Michel Legrand is doing a musical, and the agent just said, oh, I know, I know, I love her. Um, <laughs> so that agent was fired. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that review was fantastic. Um, it's a great show. We're doing it uh, one more here uh, in December 4th, and then we're taking it to London in February. Oh, wow. She's, I didn't know yeah. that. She's going to, oh, you heard it here first. She's going to do <laughs> it. Uh, she's going to do it at Live at Zadell uh, next February. Very cool. Well, get Great. your tickets now. It's at, it's at 54 below uh, on uh, December 4th. If there's any tickets left, get them now, because I'm sure that the, uh, the glowing review with some very nice uh, videos as well and some nice pictures in that article will help sell tickets. And one last thing of recommendation that go along with all the great videos in that New York Times article is yesterday with the latest Wicked Out of Oz series uh, video came out and it is with the un paralleled unique talent of Annalie Ashford singing a kind of a jazzy take on the song wonderful from the show. Have you guys gotten a chance to watch this yet? No, no, but she's a, she's a, she's a Broadway records recording artist. So yes, that out, that album is one of my favorites as well. Yeah, it is so, so good. Um, It's very cool. And just to see her quirky approach to everything. I, one of my favorite quotes about her is I heard Jerry Mitchell once say that when he was casting, Legally Blonde for the role that she is, and I don't know which Delta knew she is. I don't know the name. But anyway, he said for her role, he had to find somebody who could conceivably speak to dogs. And when Annalie Ashford walked in, it was obvious that she was it because she is so unique and so quirky. And she brings this to this song that's obviously normally sung by the wizard. And it's so, so good. So I recommend it to both of you and everybody listening. Uh, and I love her and I love that album from Broadway Records. So highly, highly, highly recommend. Mm, Guys, thanks awesome. for letting me plug everything today. 
<laughs> of course. This has been the Robbie <laughs> Plug Show. Yikes. Yikes. All right. Well, uh, I think we've covered all of Robbie's projects, so I think we better get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter at BWW Matt. And subscribe to something like a pop on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Robbie, where can people find you on the interweb? My brand is very consistent. Diva Robbie all across the webs. <laughs> Diva Robbie, wherever it is. It's a it's a cautionary fable in branding. Hmm. Excellent. <laughs> hey, you're all right. messenger. Yep. <laughs> And my name is James Marino of BroadwayRadio.com or BroadwayStars.com. And check out Robbie's MySpace page at Diva Robbie. <laughs> Friendster. Find me on Friendster. I see you. And Ello. And oh, Ello. Peach. I'm very active on Peach. Peach still a thing. Uh, All right. yeah. <laughs> I don't even Man. know what it was. I'd never heard it before. <laughs> Thanks for spending some of our Wednesday with us. <laughs> uh, Matt and I will be back tomorrow and uh, talk with you Thursday. Thursday.